Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. I want to take a moment and again thank you for um, listening to the podcast. I want to also give a shout out to all of you in Germany that are taking this podcast and just spreading it everywhere. Thank you for uh, just listening to it. Thank you for distributing it across that nation. I'm just totally amazed at the reach and the effects. So all of you in Germany, I hope one day to be able to meet you and to see you and to spend some time with you. Today I want to talk to you about figuring out the F factor. Figuring out the F factor. What I'm going to do is walk you through a series of words that begin with F. Now again, let me just give you a little bit of background. I'm a pastor, and so my data point that I operate from is that of a church. But I think that the information that I'm going to give you transcends a church, and it can be helpful in any kind of arena, in any kind of business that you lead in, that it can be highly effective. So what I'm going to do is give you a series of words that begin with F that really are a key part of my leadership journey and how I think that an organization should be led. So let me give you the first word, faith. Faith means that you create an atmosphere. Now, I know that if you're in business right now, you may say, hey, we really can't play the faith card. We really can't utilize the faith card. We really can't inject that into our business. But I have a dear friend, John Maxwell, and John Maxwell is probably one of the most uh, dynamic communicators in the business arena that exists. And I've literally sat there when he's taught business individuals of every industry. And one of the things that John will do is he will stop at times and he says, now I need to just be honest with you. I am a person of faith. And there's no way that I can separate my faith from the things that I'm going to say. I'm not asking you necessarily to embrace my faith, but I am telling you that my faith begins to interact with everything that I do. And so with that as a backdrop, what I want to say to you is maybe you're not in a church, but your faith is interjected in everything that you do. And it is impossible for you to separate your faith from what you do. And so in my particular seat that I sit in as the pastor of a church, uh, I've had the privilege of being the founding pastor 35 years ago. So for 35 years, we've had faith create the atmosphere. And what I want to say to you about that is that over 35 years, we've been diligent in our faith to target just a few things. So let me just give you a couple of things. One of the things is, is that we always pray for altar calls in our church. We always pray that the finest moment in our church, that the best moment in our church is when we say every head bowed, every eye closed. And at that moment, it is a dynamic opportunity for God to begin to minister. Now, we haven't prayed this one time. We haven't prayed it two times. We haven't prayed it for a week. We haven't prayed it for a month. We haven't prayed it for a year. We haven't prayed it for a decade. We've prayed it for 35 years. And what I want to say to you is, is because we've interjected our faith consistently over a 35-year journey, we see the effects of it. And where when we first began, it was really difficult to see somebody begin to make that transformational decision. Now, it is just natural. 
We cannot go literally a day without hearing stories of people who are responding in faith. And people say, well, how does that happen? How do you get to that place? How does that occur? It's because we have injected faith and we've created a faith atmosphere over 35 years. My team believes, uh, my staff believes, and my church believes that the finest moment in our church is when we say, heads bowed, eyes closed. Everything could have gone wrong. The message may not have been special. Uh, the special may not have been special. The ushers may have been disruptive. Everyone in the church may have seemed to be asleep. But when we say, heads bowed and eyes closed, that opens a transformational window. Why? Because we have prayed. We've created an atmosphere with our faith. And what I want to say to you is that you do that also. Every day you step into your office, you're creating an atmosphere with your faith. Every day that you begin to intervene in any event, you're bringing your faith to bear. And what I really want to encourage you about is find those one or two things that every day you are injecting faith in. Whether it's the relationship quality, whether it's the result end of your business, whatever that is, you've got to figure out. Because I can tell you, we are now living in a level of success that we would have never dreamed of uh, 35 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, last year. But it's all because we understood that faith creates an atmosphere. And if you believe the same thing and you ask the same thing and you do it repeatedly, you create an atmosphere and that atmosphere begins to blossom and grow and it begins to be sort of that dream kind of thing. Wow, can this really be true that this is happening? So what I want to say to anyone who may be in the pastoral field Find those one or two things that are always going to be prayed about. It's just drilled down that this is what we pray for. And if you'll find those things and you'll pray day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and if you're fortunate, decade after decade, I'm telling you, you will create an atmosphere of faith in your organization. Now, as an individual, same thing. Find those one or two things that are the mission that God's given you and make sure that you're praying those into your life, over your life, around your life every day. And at first, there may not seemingly be many results, but over a period of time, you will achieve results. So figuring out the F factor, the first F is this, it's faith. Faith creates an atmosphere. The next one is focus. If you are going to be effective, you have to have focus, which means priorities, which are crystal clear. So again, from the seat that I sit in, here is the priority. At Grace Outreach Center, we create an environment for the lost to get saved and for the saved to serve. That is what we do. We create an environment for the lost to get saved and for the saved to serve. And we say that. We communicate that. We mobilize towards that. Everything that we do is around that clear statement. We create an environment where the lost can get saved and the saved can serve. So you need to have a focus, and that focus needs to do be what you do. 
It needs to be why you do what you do, and it needs to come back, and it needs to just be drilled down on. People need to understand what is the atmosphere of faith you're creating, what is the fake focus, what are the priorities that you're trying to make crystal clear, that when everyone's confused, they know this is the thing. Man, we are going to create an environment. What kind of environment are you going to create? What is it that is the focus of your mission? What is the priority system that you've got to make crystal clear? What are the few words that become the summation of saying, this is why we exist. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to deviate from it. We are going to drill down. This is where we're at. So the F factor, faith, you create an atmosphere. Focus, priorities which create crystal clear clarity. You've got to have those two. The next is function. A plan that emphasizes what is important. So I can say that I'm believing for X. And I can say that I'm focused on X. But if the function of the day-to-day organization doesn't feed the faith and the focus, then I'm pretty well deceiving myself. And so you've got to have a function. You have to have a plan that emphasizes what is important. If you were to come and uh, do a diagnostic on this organization that I'm privileged to oversee, what you would find is, is that we have a plan that is just there. And it is so simple, but we drill down on it so often that people who are new, people who are old, they know exactly this is what we do. This is how we do it. So you start an organization with faith, you believe in yourself, you believe in God, you believe in others, faith is always a part, you create the right atmosphere, you figure out those one or two things and they're sort of the uh, the focal point of your faith, then you create focus, you just say these are the priorities, we're not going to shift from them, we're not going to get distracted, and then you create function, you have a plan that you begin to emphasize and that function begins to be applied from top to bottom in the organization. And then you've got to figure out. You've got to figure out a process that mobilizes everyone towards what's important. So at first, you're really interior. That's the faith. That's the focus. That's the function. But when you begin to do the figuring, you're creating a process that just isn't going to move um, staff individuals and team individuals, but it's going to begin to move everyone towards a process that what your faith is focused on, what you are focused on as priorities, what your function, your plan is, that those things are going to begin to mobilize others. One of the ways I like to tell my team is this, you've got to create noise. And the only way you can create noise is if other people around you are saying the same thing. So if I were to have a part of my organization and I want to find out if they really, really are engaged, I don't go to the head of that part of the organization and say, okay, what have you told the people? Because I'm pretty confident that my people are telling the people. But 
for me to understand if that person over that organization has really achieved, I listen to the noise. Is anyone in that section of the organization, are they talking about what we're doing? See, if all you do as a leader is downline to level two, and it doesn't get downline to level three, then what happens is, is that you have great staff meetings, you have good team meetings, but you don't have organization meetings where the organization is moving ahead. So you've got to figure out how you are going to mobilize not the people that are on the front line, but the people that are down on the third line, and are they talking about it? So if I have a group of people and I don't hear anyone in that part of the organization, then what I know is probably the head of that area has articulated it, but he hasn't created ownership of it. Because when you like something, you talk about it. See, if someone goes to a movie and they, they like it, you know what? They tell everyone, that was a great movie. If they go to a restaurant and they enjoy it, they tell everyone. But in our organizations, if you have a meeting and you're the only one talking, you're not creating noise. So you've got to create surround sound, and that is there's got to be more than one place that the noise is coming from. It's got to be from multiple places, and that's the test. If the volume's not loud, then the message hasn't been heard. So figure out the process which mobilizes everyone towards the important. The next F word is find. So let me give them to you. Faith, you create an atmosphere. Focus, priorities that are crystal clear. Function, a plan that emphasizes the important. Figure, uh, a process that mobilizes everybody towards what's important. But then Find. Find out the, wad, the wattage and the bandwidth of your organization. Find out the wattage and the bandwidth of your organization. Now, let me just be real brutal. Uh, when I first uh, started taking steps towards leadership, uh, I wasn't good at understanding the bandwidth. And because I wasn't good at understanding the bandwidth, our ministry had a lot of ineffectiveness in it. So let me try to articulate what a bandwidth is and what the wattage is. Everybody operates on an emotional level. Now, everyone has emotions. For some people, they're highly emotional. For some people, uh, they tend to be more introverted and they don't have a whole lot of emotions. And that's true about individuals. Well, it's true about organizations. There are emotions within the organization of how people are feeling towards each other, how they're feeling as a unit, how they're feeling as a team. Now, what I found is if an organization is too high, they don't succeed. And if an organization is too low, they don't succeed. So if you're on top of the mountaintop and everyone's sort of uh, chest bumping and high-fiving and everything, what I found is is that people succeed for a short period of time on high emotion. And people can't succeed on low emotion. But what I've had to find in my organization is, what is that in between? What is that 60% 
in between that our organization needs to operate. I can't have it in the bottom 20% and I really can't have it in the top 20%. One, you can't let people stay low all the time and it's impossible to keep people high all the time, but there's a bandwidth between 20% and 80% that you operate in. And anytime I walk into a meeting, I'm gauging the emotional connection. Where are the people at? Do they know how to engage emotionally that they can create emotional transference? That they can take what God's doing in our organization and sort of let people, uh, you know, feel it. You know, we have that term that, well, do you feel me? Well, that's an emotional expression. And in organizations, you've got to get people off the lows and out of the highs and you've got to get them in that 60%. And so every time I meet with people, I'm gauging that. I'm looking. Where are they at? Are they down low or are they too high? Are they here or are they there? And I've got to get them in that 60% range. Somewhere between 20 and 80, that is the range I need my people in. So I have to find out. Because I know that if people are too low, we can't be effective. And I know if people are too high, we will only be effective for a short period of time. No one can stay up in the thin air. And so you've got to find out the wattage and the bandwidth of your organization. And you've got to lead towards getting people who are low up, getting people who are always high, maybe a little bit down and moderated so the team can move forth together. The next F is being fervent. You have to persist in what is important. So when we go back to the beginning of this faith, you're sort of defining what is it that's important to your organization? What is it that's important to you? And then you add some focus to that and you say, man, we're just going to be attentive to this. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to let things uh, get us off base. And then you turn around and you figure out how to function, how to have a plan that takes your faith and your focus. And you begin to take it into these are the steps that we're going to do. And then you figure out a process and you say, this is how we're going to get people outside the meeting room engaged in this. This is going to be the process. Then you're going to find and say, hey, we've got to engage people emotionally. We've got to get people off their lows and off their highs, and we've got to coordinate them. But once you do all that, you've got to be fervent. You have to be able to persist in it. My life verse is found in John chapter 15, and it's, I've not only ordained that you bear fruit, but that your fruit remains. And what I found is there's a lot of people who can bear fruit, but they don't remain fruitful so that their fruit remains. And one of the things that I believe is the ultimate test of, of leadership is longevity. I believe that the clock eventually shows what kind of leader you are. So let me just sort of use another church illustration. When I started this church 35 years ago, there were several nationally known major megachurches in the Dallas area. Now, today, of all of the megachurches that were here when I started, there's only one that's left besides ours. There's only one out there. 
all the rest of them that people used to go to their conferences and want to hear this speaker, get their books, get everything. That was all done. And that was all uh, off the radar screen. And what I found is most people succeed for 15 years. And most megachurches last for 15 years. They don't tend to last after that. And a part of it is the energy it takes, the talent pool that you possess, but then the passion that gets you beyond your talent and gets you beyond um, the hard work that you had to do that keeps you going. And so you've got to have a fervency. In Romans 12 and verse 11, it says, be fervent in the spirit. That word fervent in the Greek means to be on fire. It needs to be heated so hot that, that the, the metal has become translucent. And what I know is there has to be a fervency. If what we're doing is important, we have to be able to make sure we keep doing that. And so if you're going to lead, you've got to be able to persist. And so the F factor, faith, focus, function, figure, find, and fervent. Let me give you two more. The next one is flexible. Can you be in two places at once? You know, one of the things that has happened at our church is because of our investment in a young team, we have several of those individuals that have begun to mature. And I can literally be gone from my pulpit, my place of activity, and this church will continue to grow, and we will continue to see fruitfulness in our main mission points. And I can be somewhere else creating fruit there. And so, can you be flexible that you can be in more than one place. Now I have some very dear friends. I consider Craig Groeschelt to be one of the most outstanding leaders that I know. I consider him a dear friend. I would drop anything at any time to help him because of the ministry God's given him. Um, and and he has the gift of being multi-site. He has created a church that's in more than one places. Well, God didn't call me to be multi-site. But God did call me to be multi-church. And every week, our church is affecting hundreds of churches across the nation. Every week, we are affecting literally thousands of pastors around the nation. So do you have the flexibility that you can be in more than one place? And if that's multi-site like Craig, I high-five you. If it's multi-church like me... I high-five you. But what I know is churches that last the longest have figured out how to be in more than one place. Because if you are going to be given a platform, your platform has to be used in a meaningful way for God. The last F is faithful. If you ever learn how to have faith creating an atmosphere to maintain focus where there's priorities that are crystal clear, to define the function, this is the plan, these are the steps, to figure out a process that mobilizes others towards those first three, that you find the 
wattage of your organization and you keep them within those boundaries. And you're fervent and you persist in doing it. And you have flexibility that you can be in more than one place. Can you be faithful? Can you keep doing all the other F's over and over and over again? See, faithfulness is the ability to do what's right, not one time, but all the time. I don't have a whole lot of strengths. I have a lot of great friends that I admire that are way more gifted than me, are way more talented than me. But what I do know is this. I will be faithful to what God's asked me to do. And what I found is, is that faithfulness lasts longer than talent. Faithfulness lasts longer than giftedness. That if you are faithful in doing what God's asked you to do, and you do it over and over and over again, and even when you're tired of doing it, you get up and you do not grow weary and well-doing, and you do it again. And every time you say, man, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this, you keep doing it. It's at that point that you begin to create an atmosphere that is dynamic. And what it means is that you figured out the F factor. You figured out faith, focus, function, figure, find, fervent, and flexible, and faithful. You have figured out the F factor. Thank you so much uh, for joining in. If you would do me a favor, if you could think of one person that maybe you could just um, tell them about the uh, podcast, it would mean the world to me. Again, to all of you that are in Germany, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, just uh, reaching out to so many people. I'm so proud of you. I look forward to one day getting to meet all of you. But thank you for being so dynamic in, in, in your reach with the podcast. And to all of you, thank you for what you do. Thank you for being leaders. Thank you for changing this world for the better. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. 